up, friends? Welcome back. We got another episode of The Players Are Loud, and today we've got Dwayne Holloway with us. Funky hey. D. <laughs> What's up, man? So good to yeah, have you. Good. So great to have you with us. Uh, Dwayne and I go way back. Um, if I don't, I don't know what order you may have seen some of these interviews in before. If you're if you're watching these these shows, but um, Dwayne is is part of the uh, the Beehive family, and we we interviewed yeah, Bill Buchanan and Tom Knight and D Rosario, and and um, and Dwayne's part of that story. And we've got a, we've got a rich history together, playing all kinds of gigs. And Dwayne is and Dwayne is the uh, a drummer that is so versatile. Um, always been respected man we met we met back in college is that right man interesting story uh, short story i will say uh man i heard about you when i first got to or got to athens uga um i went to uh or i was in, invited to a frat party uh, that you were playing, uh, but I think it was a last-minute thing for you. Okay. Uh, from what I understood, a couple of years later after that, um, you were playing with a friend of mine, uh, which he was a percussion major at UGA, which later ended up giving me uh, a, a few lessons. Uh, you know, after that, as far as uh, marimba, uh, mallet stuff. Uh, Eugene Fambro. But man, a random oh. gig. I saw you guys there, man. And man, I was like, man, who is this guy on bass? I was like, man. Oh. random gig, man. I don't uh, even know that we've ever even had this conversation before because um, I feel like I would have remembered that. But did we meet at that gig or was it later? Briefly at that gig. Okay. But Met way way later, man. Um, uh, doing the aim thing. Yeah, and real quick, so those that that aren't aware, aim. When we talk about aim, it's the Atlanta oh, Institute of Music, right? And um, and Athens and UGA, Athens, Georgia. I I went to school there for three and a half years, I think, before transferring mm -hmm. to Georgia State. You graduated right. from UGA. I did. Two thousand and one. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So back in those days, um, there were man. I I'm I don't know how it is now. I, it's been forever since I've been to to Athens. But man, back in the day, the music scene was it was really robust in Athens. I mean, it was it was great, man. Great time, and not down in it, but the whole DJ. Um, a lot of the clubs wanted DJs. And yeah, so, yeah. And that's where the live thing kind of died down. There were a few places able to stay open. Yeah. And to allow the live bands to still come in and do their thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it really, it was a vibrant live music city. Right. For, for a long, long time. Long. Certainly when, when we were in school there. Um, speaking of which... Tell me if I get this right, but so where I was first hearing of your notoriety was, was hearing about you in this band called Squat. Everybody was talking about the drummer for Squat was this totally killing 
killing player and um um what Trey Trey Wright Trey Wright yes Trey Wright was the guitar player guitar player man phenomenal writer as well man yeah wow man but I was but you I'm I'm seeming to remember that you all did a lot of did you do some traveling or were you guys mostly just based around Athens man we did a lot a good bit of traveling um and again or I should say mostly around the, the southeast. Yeah. I, I guess our biggest thing was we were invited through uh, UGA, through uh, our mentor, uh, Steve Dance, uh, head of jazz band mm-hmm. at the time at UGA, to the world's secret music in India, Bangalore, India, man. Wow. Um, we got to hang out, met a lot of musicians from, you know, there and a lot of musicians that we knew from the States as well, that were, we were surprised they were there as well, but man, the height of that occasion, that trip, man, we got to meet the Dalai Lama, got to hang out for, for a little bit, man. Incredible. Man, life, man, life experience right there man um and we were only allowed a few minutes we each had you know a question to ask you know and we did that you know and everything was fine and man the last thing he said to us was you know don't let anything anyone hold you back you know do what you are or do what you think you're supposed to do in this world. Um, No matter what, what comes your way, what the wind blows back at you, keep pushing forward, man. You know, that's, wow. It was, it was a nice occasion, man. Nice. nice Um, So did everybody, everybody got to ask him a question? Everybody got to ask him a question. Five people um, yeah. were in the band. Do you remember uh, what you asked him? <laughs> uh, what he thought, you know, what what his view on the state of the world was at that time. Hmm. Um, and again, he was like, you know, I can only do what I'm put on this earth to do. Uh, I can try to be in influence to everyone else around me. Yeah. But maybe that's my purpose. I don't know. But all I can do is do what I'm put on this earth to do. Yeah. This earth to do, sorry. Um, and, you know, as maybe vague, but at the same time, it's like, well, yeah, that's all we can do. Wow. That's amazing. Uh, now, the... Um... Indian music, in, in particular, from a from a rhythmic perspective, oh man, uh, there, it's it's very attractive to a lot of rhythm section players because of the intricacy and really the efficiency as well of, of how it's of how it's counted, um, mm-hmm. how those things are, are internalized. Um, Count syllables. Yeah. So I 
I know, you know, I have experience with the tiny, tiny, smallest, smallest fragment of that. Did you ever dive deep into Indian music or? Man, I did not. Um, my, I guess, introduction to that was listening to Mahavishnu. Yeah. Tree Lock Dirt Truth. Yeah. Yeah. Tree Lock. Wow. What a man. Um, man. Wow. Um, my favorite, one of my, you know, desert albums is uh, Desert Island Records is uh, uh, John McLaughlin's K Alegria album. And mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a trio. Majority of the tunes are John McLaughlin, Dominique Di Piazza, one of my favorite authors oh. of all time, and, uh, and Tree Lock Gertu. Mm -hmm. And that, boy, I tell you what, that record changed my life. It really did. And not just from a bass playing perspective, but that's when I, I heard that, that album. And those of you who've, who've heard Tree Lock play, you'll understand this. I heard that album. What I was hearing coming from the percussion side of things sounded like a drum kit with a big, huge kick drum. I mean, a big, huge kick drum, mm -hmm. all kinds of air being moved, some forward propelling motion, intense stuff. I didn't even know what I was listening to. And then I saw him on a video one time playing and I'm looking at his Is kick it? drum. He's hitting with his hand, basically. Right. You know, you know more about it than I do, but I was look, I was blown away like, Oh, those are the instruments that he's playing these sounds on? I had no idea. It was mind-blowing. And it's not only the sounds. It, this dude is kneeling, playing an entire drum set or an entire percussion setup. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like like three or four people. It really does. It's, um, it's amazing. And it's like, wow, wow, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's an album that for any music connoisseur it, uh, you know no matter what you're into boy that is that is a in my personal opinion like humble opinion that's a that's a landmark one that, that people should be exposed to it's really good right i i agree with that i definitely agree with that not just from the sound aspect the writing the you know the parts that he came up with or he continues to come up with and the playing and again like you were saying not seeing that and then to see that yeah wow it is it's it's Did amazing one dude doing all this that when i listen to um when i listen to him play and especially like listening to that album the there's an album that i think is even more famous it's the um mclaughlin's the live at royal festival hall which is mm. which is older than that yeah, yeah, and um, I believe that's Kai Eckhart on bass, uh, another one of my favorite players. Um, got a chance to meet him years ago at a at a one of Victor Wooten's bass camps, and he was nice. he was absolutely great to to hang with. But um, that that album is maybe a little bit more famous. Um, there's a different bass player on it, but it's it's the same kind of vibe. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's that it's the sound of 12 coming from three and, and the dynamic, the dynamic range. It's like, I don't know a better example for dynamics. I mean, things that get from 
you know, the quietness of, you know, rubbing your fingers together, level of volume to Metallica volume, you know, just constantly sweeping up and down. It's some of that stuff is breathtaking, man. It's, it's amazing. It's making me want to listen to it right now. (laughs) It's just, it's been a minute. It's great stuff. Um, Shifting gears real quick, you know, the, um, your connection to, to this album, you played on a, a tune called Without Love um, that uh, D Rosario, our, our mate from, uh, from Beehive, also played on as well. Um, I was telling the story in, in D's interview, sort of behind the song, and um, there's actually, it, it's based on a Bible verse and kind of expanding on the concept of this particular Bible verse in, in 1 Corinthians. Yeah, I was definitely... Uh trying to and I, I i will say refresh my memory <laughs> that stuff goes man i mean I, I as far as i'm concerned i i my background pretty much growing up in the church um growing up you know doing a weekly bible study deal mm-hmm. um maybe not so much now but yeah um, and, and just looking at your, uh, even your entire list, on it, it's based on some scripture. Yeah, most of them. Yeah, most of them were that were inspired by um, you know things I had read or was or was meditating on or contemplating, right. and I it really really trying to relate it to life today and sort of current mm-hmm. events and and stuff like that. Um, you know, people will hear it's not, you know, it, it's not a, it's not a church record or a gospel record by, by any means. But but there are there are these kind of underlying, um, you know, messages, messages. Um, right. Yeah. You know, that and, and that's that's the way I've, I've been moved a lot by by people's music before. Um, you know, it, it's not sometimes the um, especially like with vocal, you know, based music sometimes what you get out of a song is way deeper or it's something different from even what might be sung about directly. There may be a mm-hmm. way that a song will, will speak to you, right? You could, mm-hmm. you could hear something that, that, uh, that, that catches your attention that alludes to a past experience that may not have been alluded to for you if, if you hadn't heard that, that song. And I'm really hoping that this music just, more than anything else, just connects with, with people where, wherever they are. Um, you know, it's, uh, it, 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 it certainly was, it was an interesting journey for, for sure, but I'm so honored to, to have you on it and, 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 uh, and everybody involved on, on this record. Cause you know, I, I, this really was an album that I, I was so fortunate to be able to say that, you know, some of my favorite players in the world have, over time become really great friends and uh man what a what an honor and a blessing that is but um and that's what music does man it yeah music does really does it brings it, connects, it, it can bring um, people together um, right it connects on a totally different level than just people getting together and you know talking you know you can talk and then you can listen to some music and you can talk about the music and then blah, blah, blah. Wow. Yeah. And it's, it's a different connection. Um, and a lot of people know that. And it's not like I'm saying something 
crazy or that no one's heard. Yeah, but what you're saying hey, is it's, it's important and it's, and it's deep because I think sometimes we take it for granted. You know, like we, we've heard before the, the statement, it's almost become, you know, cliche. It's like, oh, music is a language. Well, yeah, it is. Let's, let's, let's really dig into what that means. You know, I've, I've uh, some of the most inspirational uh, clinics and presentations I've, I've heard from, from uh, bass players and guitar players and drummers that I've admired, you know, for years that have gotten into the topic of communication through music. Those have been some of the most fascinating, you know, d discussions everywhere. And I love how uh, music, it, 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 it transcends our, our spoken language and still communicates in spite of the fact that we might speak different languages. Right. And, right. um, and, and yeah, man, I mean, I, I, I don't ever want to take that. I don't ever want to take that for granted or forget the reason why people are so attracted to it or so moved by how it can make you cry or laugh or, get angry or, or, or happy, you know, there's, it's, it's legitimate content. It's what I refer to as like the, the intangibles or the less tangible aspects of, of music. It's, it's the actual, those are the parts that are communicating, right? It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's such a deep thing. What, what, what music connected with you at, a, at an early age? I mean, you said you grew up in the church. I'm sure there is a, I'm sure there is a, um, a, an influence there from from both culture and genre from from probably mm -hmm. what you were hearing like what when did you really feel like you were connecting with music for the first time uh or listening to music deal was mostly gospel mm -hmm. um and mostly on sunday um my mom would wake up turn the radio on and that's all we listened to until it was time to go, you know, to church or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and pretty much the, the entire days after that day, the entire week or whatever, um, Wednesday was choir rehearsal, uh, more gospel. Um, it was not until I got maybe sophomore year, high school, man, I was turned on to jazz band. Now, real quick, I don't mean to interrupt, but were you were you playing or singing in the church as, as a kid at all? Or were you just attending uh, with your mom? Uh, playing. Okay, cool. I I mean, not to be the, the whole cliche deal, but <laughs> I, uh, I started, I guess, four or five. I'm sitting behind the, the drummer at the time in the church. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what I'm looking at. I'm just sitting there, you know. You know, as the years go by, uh, the drummer is like, hey, I'm going to teach you a little something, you know. And maybe a few years later, you can step up, play a couple of tunes here and there. I was like, all right, I don't know. I'm four, I'm five, I don't know. <laughs> um, and then, man, and I, I will even go back and say, kudos to those guys for saying this kid is you know actually paying attention this kid is interested yeah we're not gonna you know you know shove him away we're not gonna make him go sit you know in the back of the church yeah 
That's we're going to tag him along. We're going to pull him along. See what see what happens. And this is what happened. Um, yeah, man. Kudos again. Kudos to the, those guys for doing yeah. it. And, uh, then later on, uh, again, I guess sophomore. And again, listening to music on the way there. Sophomore year, high school, I got turned on a jazz band, and jazz band on bass. I didn't know that. Yep, yep, man. I went through a couple of years on bass and jazz band. Loved it, man. Wow. I bet you were an amazing bass player. Man, I could play a walk line. That was about it. Did I know what was really going on? No. Man, I, when I was in high school, I wasn't in jazz band. I didn't know how to play a walk line. I mean, I that to me, I didn't even start to understand that stuff until I had you know some more mentorship, you know, from right. from, from right. people. But when I was coming up as a player, that was the furthest thing from my awareness, you know. So, I mean, that's that's one of the regrets I have in from from high school was that those are super formative years, especially for a musician. Um, you still have enough of attention span. If you are, if you like something, if you're into something to, to kind of sponge it up pretty effectively. And I was, um, I was a soccer player in, in high school and there, it was kind of one of those things where I loved bass, but bass for me was like, the prog rock thing I'm doing after school. Uh, right? right. But, right. but the, the jazz, I, I was envious of the folks that were in jazz. I was secretly envious of them because you could, you could hear from the music that you all were doing that number one, you were having to read, learn how to read, which, which scared the, scared the heck out of me. Cause I, I couldn't read. I had piano lessons for years since, you know, from like, age eight until 12. And uh, even with all those years at the young age, I was, I was kind of cheating. We're, I'm, I'm learning how to read music, but my ear was, was pretty well developed already. And I leaned on my ear and got lazy. I didn't, I didn't ever want to, I didn't want to read the music. I just want to learn the stuff, you know? Right, right. So I looked, I looked at the jazz band folks as like, Oh, these are serious musicians. They're, they're learning, they're getting an education. They're playing these, intricate things and even though big band wasn't my favorite music i still understood and respected you know what what y'all were doing in there so i wish i would have been in there man it, I, I will say it was fun and i also will say as far as i was concerned um i think i tried to take the easy way out or took the easy way out but because of coming from the whole uh, church deal. Mm. Uh, I mean, I also did a little bass in church. Um, coming from that, kind of similar as far as some some aspects of uh, jazz bass, big band bass, and, you know, gospel music in the church or whatever church you're in. Yeah. Uh, you're still playing, and again, depending on what type of music you're playing, you're still playing that walk line, that, you know, um, swing, uh, kind of swung deal in both 
Um, but yeah, man, uh, I had an advantage, but at the same time, man, I wasn't reading. Yeah. Following G. Okay, I know what G is. Okay, okay, this is uh, okay. F, I know what F is. So and did you have notated parts, but you just figured yeah, out the roots of the chords and just kind of did your own then, thing? Right, and a lot of times there were actually written bass lines mm -hmm. in the tunes, in the, uh, in the charts. Yeah. But man, I, again, I'm just sitting there reading right. chords. I'm not reading notes. Until mm. later on, when yeah. I get out of a little bit more confidence, like okay, I can read this now. Yeah. How, have then, you were you always a, a a really good reader on the drums? Um. Yes. Only because of marching band. Mm. And I know as, as you're asking, well, isn't that different? Yes, it is. But reading. Um, marching band stuff uh, from and, and I'm talking percussion from uh, mallet mm -hmm. percussion to uh, snare drum to uh, trios when I was in high school mm -hmm. and it turned into quads and quintuplets and then tonals which are bass drums mm. uh, man I went through all of those in high school, uh, whether either concert band, marching band, or whatever. So marching band really kind of allowed me to uh, learn m memorization. Yeah. Not learn memorization, but do a lot of memorization. Yeah, because, yeah. Um, you can't go out there and read notes on the marching field. Uh, yes, some bands do, but some bands don't. A lot mm -hmm. of bands. Don't. So just reading just a lot of notes again from whatever section I was in, uh, and having to memorize. Uh, and I, I, I'm not saying like a few notes. I'm yeah. saying a lot of notes. Wow. Yeah. To be learned. Um, that really helped me a lot. And then getting to drum set, um, where you're just pretty much. You know, you're stacked on the staff. You're reading maybe a little bit ahead. Yeah, um, yeah. Or uh, a couple of beats ahead. Um, that, to me, was kind of easy. Hmm. On a... Uh, not on, but... For as far as like a slow tempo. Yeah, yeah. If you gave me one something and say, read this, and it's like, uh, can you give me a date? Yeah. <laughs> and then we're good. Yeah, right. <laughs> but to go in, man, I, I've only had one time where I, I went in and actually had a fun time at sight reading a drum set chart uh, or just a drum set pattern or yeah. whatever. And man, it felt great. Yeah. Same time, it was like, okay, I did that. Yeah, yeah. I try to impress on on uh, players that, you know, 
ask me about this or if, if I have students that, that are studying, it really, it really is so worth it um, to get at least a little bit of reading chops happening because the, the amount of confidence it gives you uh, is, is tremendous because you feel like you're more well-versed in the language that you're communicating with other musicians on a, on a session or on a gig. Uh, even if you don't have to be the greatest reader, if you can read a little bit, most musicians I've found will still put you in the category of a reader, right. which, which is worth a lot when it comes mm -hmm. to reputation and um, uh, marketability and potential for people to call. If, if it only, you know, if you work hard enough at it, if you're not, if you're not good at it, but if you work hard enough at it to get a little of that down and people put you in their, in their Rolodex as one of the readers, right. Um, that is a, significant contrast to if someone asks you, Hey, do you read? Oh man, I don't know. I don't, I don't really read. Uh, but my, you know, I can learn it or whatever. So in their mind now they're, you know, this is a non-reading musician. There really is such a thing as like that, that line of delineation between how people perceive you. Right. I mean, right, has that been right. your experience? Yeah, I, I agree with that. But tell me, have, have you ever really had that moment? where you had to go in and really read a chart, like from the time you got there, you didn't see the chart until maybe a few minutes before, 20 minutes before, maybe heard it, heard mm -hmm. the chart, but now you have to go in and read it. You know, uh, had, you know has, has it ever been that really particular point or that yeah. particular time where you had to really do that. Yeah, like it, just as it, that for me, um, meaning I, I, I've always had to chart yeah. at least a day or so or a few hours or so. Yeah. Or it's a it's a it's a great question. Um, my answer is, is yes, but uh, I will say it hasn't happened at least in the, in the circles that I've been involved in in my career, it hasn't happened like as, as, uh, as often as I might've even imagined. Where it did happen most consistently was when I lived in Atlanta and when I got into um, eventually into sessions uh, in, in Atlanta, I did, um, my, my session work was comprised more of radio, TV, film, than it was album projects and custom projects and, and you know, masters for, for records. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, it has, it has a lot to do with kind of who, who I was hanging out with and trying to learn from and, and just, you know how it is. It's just who you meet and, and you know, your, your network. Um, in those instances, when we were doing, we were recording bumpers and, and, uh, um, these composed pieces, you know, for, for commercials and advertisements and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Those most of the time were things that were specifically written out. Now these were not large pieces of music because a lot of it was, you know, no more than um, a minute at a time, a some of or it, you know, 10 <laughs> seconds or whatever. But, um, but that's where the highest frequency of that spontaneous on the spot reading was. Oh, okay. um, 
And, you know, fortunately, you know, most of that stuff wasn't, uh, you know, like a, uh, a Chopin piece or something, you know, it was, you know, it was, it was a little bit more, you know, straight ahead, maybe, maybe in a rock style or, or a pop style or, or something like that. But um, that's where most of that occurred. The other, the other thing is that I've, I've had just a handful of, of gigs where um, somewhere in the book, there were some notated things that had to be dealt with in, in real time. Um, I'll be honest, you know, I'm, I'm a, a creature of comfort. I don't like the idea of going into something not knowing what to expect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm an, I'm an average reader, but I still, I still like knowing what's coming down the pike because I'm, I'm, you know, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to fall short, you know, on a, on a performance for somebody. I don't want to let anybody down. Right. Um, it doesn't mean that I'm Never. scared to do a gig. It just means that that's my nature. I just, I'm not going to feel comfortable until I either A, get through it, or B, kind of know ahead of time what's, you know, what's, what's going to be happening. Yeah, I, I feel that same way. I, I also feel if I've had the time to get an audio or if that audio is available um i feel like i can write out my own little roadmap yeah and then when i actually get the chart you know either uh just go by that or um compare what i came up with to that and if they don't line up then cool no big deal if they do line up then i'm going with what i wrote down and then if there are some, you know, parts that I need to be in unison with or or rhythm, rhythmically unison with, yeah, then I, you know, write it in my chart and then go from there. Um, yeah. So it's kind of like a it's kind of like a chart shorthand that that you're putting together right, for yourself. Right. So what Not, kind of st- no, ahead, I mean, sorry. I don't trust what I've I've gotten as far as the original, you know, uh, deal. It's just um, I can probably follow my thing if it's close. Yeah. Again, if it's close. Right. I can follow my deal a little bit better, just making sure I'm, you know, hitting those key points. What kind of, as a drummer, what, what will your shorthand notation look like? Like what kind of things are you, are you putting in there? Cause I've got my own version of shorthand too, as a, as a bass player, but I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's different. What, what kind of things are you doing? I mean, I, I say shorthand, but at the same time, I'm meaning, um, I'm still, I'm not writing out, uh, you know, one measure, you know, 10 measures, I have to do this deal, uh-huh. you know, blah, 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 six measures, 15 measures here, I have to do this, and I'm just hanging out on this groove. Mm-hmm. Kind of charting out each measure, and then uh, on top of that, again, you know, the the horns are doing this here, mm-hmm. so they hit this accent, blah, 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 this accent there with those guys. The bass player is doing this rhythmic thing here. Mm-hmm. I don't need to catch all those notes. 
because it might conflict yeah in the end but i want to you know accent what he's accenting so to speak yeah uh and actually on um without love there are a couple of things that you were doing um and i think it was a unison thing mm -hmm. the after the the chorus the without love mm -hmm. the, da -da 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 yeah um i i was trying to catch the last part of that but not the entire deal yeah yeah um which was a super awesome approach that you took because it's there it's there with it rhythmically but it's not so like in your face like the the other part is da 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 da, da and you're like da, 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 you know like it's you can you can definitely overdo it with you know it, it, or i not you personally i mean like it, it could be said that one could certainly overdo it with respect to trying to match up <laughs> you know rhythms and things like that right 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 and don't get me wrong i was when you first sent me that track i was like man ooh, look at, listen to all this <laughs> here i'm gonna play all these notes and then <laughs> my first first uh actual trying to play it he was like oh man this hmm nah it sounds like i'm i'm just trying to not really keep up, but just trying to play every note. Mm. Um, and to me, it's just clutter. Yeah. yeah. Or the, the chance for clutter. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I consider myself a, a decent drummer, but at the same time, mm, I'd rather step back let the music play. Yeah. Well, and I'll you, catch that's and another, that's another incredible um, trait that, that I believe you, you have as a, as a drummer is that you, you're like that. You're like the uh, 500 horsepower uh, sports car, just cruising down the highway at, at 70 miles per hour. It's like, you've got the headroom to get up to 180, but you know, you, you're comfortably cruising at 70. And if you need to pass someone and get up to like a 110, like, eh, and you're there and it's, and you settle back in your lane, like you, you play with such a, a, uh, a sensitivity to the song. Anyone who knows you're, you're playing as intimately as, as I do knows what you're capable of, of doing, but you, Man, you always default playing for the for the song. I've never ever done a gig or a rehearsal with you, even where it's like, um, even for a moment, are you just deciding that the song is going to be your playground for a second to see how much you can get away with? Uh, right. You know, and I've done rehearsals with 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 players like that before. You know, it's but. Um, you just you've got this incredible uh, sense. Of, of what's happening and, and let's just distill it down. I mean, it's because you're an incredible listener. You know, you also have, you're, you're keen enough as a listener to notice that after a run of a couple of courses, if there's something there to sort of like tip your hat to this and join in on something. 
that's always been something I've loved about your, your playing. I mean, you've got, you've got incredible chops and endurance, but, but man, you've always played for the tune and that's, man, that's so cool. That man. Um, and that's, I guess uh, that I will say that's what I've always tried to do um, from this point to that point in my playing. Um, but, you know, the, the thing is, to a lot of people, that can be a, a good thing looking at it or listening to it. And to a lot of guys or a lot of people, it could be, well, man. He can't really play. He just, <laughs> you know, which is not a, a big thing for me. I enjoy playing. I enjoy playing music. Yeah. You know, enjoy playing drums, bass, whatever. Um, but man, it was just funny. The the thing you were just saying about the, the whole notes thing. When I first started in squat, that was me. Mm. And although we were trying to do the whole freeform jazz deal, mm -hmm. um, a little bit of fusion, um, man, for a little bit it worked. For a lot of it, it didn't work. Yeah. Uh, so I had to learn to, it was like, man, this is not just me on drums with you know three guys backing me yeah <laughs> four guys trying to play you know together yeah um one That's tune great. one whatever yeah so uh, i had to do a little bit of learning yeah that word you just said together is so key um i i described um I've described myself and, and others in the past, you know, before learning, you know, learning a little bit more, more maturity. It's like it, when I was, when I was like that, that young, excited player that, that wanted to play the, the, the crazy Ooh. stuff all the time. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was more, um, it was more me playing at the same time as the uh, as the band members as opposed to me playing with the band members right, right. Like, like it was like somebody started a metronome and i'm kind of like doing my thing paying attention to the metronome figuratively and they're and they're playing together all listening together to them you know it's like it, there there's a there's a point at which you have to learn okay you're not playing at the same time uh you're not playing aligned with the other players you need to be playing with the other players mm. together, you know, as a, as a collective thing, you know, what, a, what an important lesson. Next person part. Yeah. Um, that was another thing that marching band kind of taught me as well. Uh, if you think about it, um, and as basic as lines in the marching band, everyone has to be going at the same, you know, walking at the same or marching at whatever straight line no one can be in front no one can be whatever mm. if it's not uniform it's not straight then it's not together yeah what um, an incredible lesson of discipline man i i learned so much from marching band man mm. outside of just learning um a bunch of you know whatever notes 
on in the drum line. Man, just uniformity, uh, being together, you know, 200 something people playing different parts in their whatever section, uh, but everything coming together. Yeah. Everything being one thing. Yeah. And that's what I've always tried to take to whatever band I'm trying or whatever band I'm planning or trying to start or whatever. Like, man, I get it. You're playing your part. Uh, you have your part. I have my part. But if you're off in left field and I'm in center field trying to run up this way, then we we're not gonna we're not gonna do anything together with each right. other. Right. Yeah. So we're great. not gonna make it. We're not gonna make it. Hmm. Um both you and I obviously we you know we played in, in Beehive together mm -hmm. um during it, you know, during its most active years. Um you know, uh, in terms of touring and, and, you know, recording and everything. Um, one of the things that you and I have in common is we both came in uh, as, as players after the very first drummer and bass player. Mm -hmm. So which yeah. Tom, Tom Knight on uh, Tom drums Knight. Was, was the first uh, drummer. Awesome. Awesome. Great, great drummer. He's, we've got an interview with him as well. Um, and uh, Mike Hartnett, uh, amazing Man. young talented really? bass player yeah, yeah who yeah. who now lives in nashville um yeah. and uh he's, he's killing he's, it from what i understand he's he's i hear he's killing it doing doing all kinds of things um in terms of production he's also a great guitar player too right but, right but um i'm curious what what your kind of perspective was coming in because when I when I first came in, Tom was still there. So so I was there before you came in. So but I had gone through the thing of like, you know, filling, trying to fill the shoes of of of, uh, of Mike, and um, they had recorded an EP already, right, right, and and it sounded amazing, and and um, and uh, I really had to. It was one of those things, you know, you come into a, a band situation like that because it was a band. That's that's one of the greatest things about it was it was an actual mm -hmm. band you know we could each have our own identity um i had to kind of make a decision like at the beginning okay am i coming in like trying to sort of take up where where mike's parts left off because it's it's very much in my nature to want to before i do anything else let me let me learn this this player's lines note for note and let me let me start with that because that's what's familiar to people um and that, that's kind of in my nature, but part of me also kind of wanted to come in and go, okay, I want to come in and just from the get go, have my own voice, you know, as, mm -hmm. as well. And it, at the end, in the end, I kind of sort of did something in, in, in between. And I wanted to, wanted to pay homage to the, to the parts that, that were there already, but, but definitely kind of brought my own thing to it. Um, which ultimately I think is what we were encouraged to do anyways. But right, I was, right. I'm curious, like for, for you, um, both Tom and Mike had, had stellar re reputations. Like when, when you, can you kind of recount the story of how you got into to Beehive and, and kind of what your, how, what your plan was coming in? Well, my, uh, I didn't have a plan. Uh, again, 
I filled in a few classes at AIM, mm-hmm. um, a few reading classes, I believe, and then eventually got more after that. Uh, so you were you were teaching I, I, for another I, teacher there? Yes, I was filling in for someone else. Um, cool. I I knew of Tom just through his you know, coming up around Atlanta or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew of you uh, just from the whole Athens deal. Right. I didn't know D or Bill at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew Mike. I think he had a hand in saying, you know, this guy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I'm, in fact, I'm, I'm trying to remember, like, where the referrals came from. Um, I couldn't remember if it, was, if it was me or Mike or Tom or, or what, but you were in that circle of, of players already. Right. We, we played a few gigs together, which were, um, they were mostly just like a jazz deal, little yeah. you know, laid back jazz, little trio or whatever. Yeah. Um, again, I, I think my main deal was Mike Hartnett from Athens. That's why I knew Mike from him. That's right. That's right. Um, and then, um, first of all, or third of all, I guess I should say, I'm, I, I'm freaking out because I know Tom's drumming at this point, and I'm like, man, I'm coming from doing my little ding, ding, da, ding, and <laughs> doing jazz stuff. Do you mean to tell me I got to replace this guy playing this hard <laughs> stuff? And then, man, it, it just dawned on me. It's like, man, you know at least two or three of these guys get with them you know, figure out, you know, and as far as what you were saying, as far as trying to play what was already there, mm-hmm. that was my thing as well. Yeah. It's like, I play these tunes my way is already on tape. Yeah. So yeah. Being played this way. So I need to play it this way and then live, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, I can still do that and still add, you know, my little deal. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, my main thing, I was just freaking out. I mean, man, who's going to listen to it now after Tom Knight played all this stuff for these years? And then I guess him doing uh, Skin Deep for that, which was pretty much to me kind of the same. Yeah, sure. Same deal. And it's like, man, come on. I can't. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's try it anyway. Mm-hmm. And then, man, after those first few gigs, and I'm going to say, without you knowing it, you kind of took me under your wing and just said, well, man, just do your thing, man. Yeah. As long as we're gelling, mm-hmm. man, bottom line is us gelling. Man, and, and it... Boy, it happened naturally, didn't it? I mean, I just right. I, it's it's clear as day to me the memory of of how of how quickly you know this new rhythm section uh, came together. And you know, the thing that's so cool about um, 
you know, about musicians that, that are at a certain level and respect each other. And, and, you know, I know Tom holds you in highest esteem and, you know, you're saying kind things about his, his plan. He would say the same thing of, of you always has had respect, tremendous respect for you. You guys are, you know, it, it's, everybody's got their own thing. You guys are, are not the same player. That's a good thing. Right. Um, and I'm not the same player as, as, as Mike was, you know, that, that, that's a good thing. Everybody's got their, got their own identity. But it's so cool how, um, like when you look at when you look at that band, how the evolution of it, the the sound changed and modified, obviously with with the different rhythm yeah. section. But man, the spirit and the and the, the the vibe of it, it was like, it was it was just as strong. It just had a slightly different had some different spices in. You know, it's like right, a slightly right. different slightly different flavor. And and we. Um, you know, the, um, we were fortunate that the band was always writing because it wasn't it wasn't a thing where we were forever just like learning somebody else's parts. It was it was right. a thing from the get go. There were songs being worked on that that we got to be a, a part of, um, you know, actually building. And um, and to me, that's 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 one of the coolest legacies of that, you know, when I, when I, agree, when I think about what, what we took from it, you know? Mm -hmm. I agree with that, man. Uh, what we took from it were we took it in a sense, but tried to take it really, um, yeah. man, I, I still get chills just thinking about it sometimes, man. Um, yeah, we, we didn't do a lot of crazy big gigs, but man, the gigs that we did, man, I mean, we played our hearts out. We did, man. And, and um, no matter what, no matter well, what. Well, and think about, um, you know, this, I, I said this in another interview, you know, like, um, I, I get y'all, you know, in, the, in these conversations. And of, and of course, you know, there's a history there. And this is not meant to just you know, take everybody. Hey, remember back in the eighties when, you know, we were, right, right. we were the coolest kids in school. You know, it's, it's not like trying to relive the past. This is, this is really celebrating um, the education that, that came from those experiences. You don't have to be in a marquee uh, arena selling arena sellout band to develop as, as a musician uh, develop at the highest level with, with your playing, uh, with your, you know, with your uh, stage presence, your writing quality and all this stuff, you know, not everybody's going to, going to get to that, to that level. It doesn't take anything away from the value of what we were learning and, and, you know, in this, in this band and other things that, that we've done. And it's, that's who we are today. You know, we're, we're a product of our, of our past experiences, past lessons, uh, successes, failures, and, and everything in, in between. And, and um, I just, I just want to encourage, encourage everybody out there. It's like, you know, you may be in a situation that is not, you know, your favorite musically. It may not even be a musical thing. Let's, let's take career or something. You may not be in what you think is the I ideal situation, but how you react to your current environment, you know, what kind of attitude do you have? Do you, do you maintain a positive attitude? Do you still try to learn in spite of it not being your, your dream gig or whatever. Those are the things that continue to build you. So wherever you are, your identity is, is solid and strong. You've got integrity that comes from a history of proving yourself in all these other situations. It's just, 
I don't know, the older you get, you, you appreciate those things more. You do appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Um, going back one thing, I, I, the last, I guess the last thing I will say about the beehive thing, um, I consider from whatever the first unit was to the last unit of beehive, man, all high powered players, mm -hmm. but not high powered uh, attitudes. Yeah. So meaning, um, you know, I'm, I'm on this level, but I want you to get on this level as well. I'm trying to bring you up to this right, level. Right. That's um, a great point. I'm not trying to teach you how to play this instrument, but I'm definitely going to let you know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And through that, you know, you can do whatever you do on your instrument. Right. That's what I really liked about the band, man. Um, wow, man. Um, and that's probably been the only band that's been like that for me, man. Uh, there's been a lot of bands, even Squat. I, I would say Squat is probably on that level as far as that's concerned as well. But, man, so many other bands that I played in, the with the level of talent or knowledge, um, some players are like, I'm over here, I'm going to do my thing, and that's it. Yeah. And it's like, well, man, then that there goes that togetherness we were just talking about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not too long ago. Right. Right. So, uh, and man, Beehive was never that way, man. And I, I loved yeah. it, man. Yeah, uh, man. It really pulled me into a nice space, man. Really. Yeah. Really. I think, yeah, I think everybody, you know, feels, feels the same way. Just, you know, um, talking talking about that and, and just looking at you know there you gotta have you know no matter how how great you are at what you do you know i i really feel like you gotta have humility to be able to connect with people mm -hmm. um you know even like you know there's there's some there's celebrities and rock stars and people that that we can get starstruck around you know and just and feel like oh you know they're these are almost godlike people you know that you know you, you get around them because they they represent so much of you know what you dream about or, or what you want to be mm -hmm. but um as you know and and you know as, as most people are aware you know it's, they're still just just people and uh you, you're doing you're doing someone a disservice when they when they look up to you so much, and you feel a need to stay on the pedestal to where they have to keep looking up at you all the time. You know, right. figuratively, I think I think the right thing to do is is to if someone's looking up to you, step off of this pedestal that they've put you on, come get eye level with them. You know, um, you know, let them know that you know we're all we're all the same you know you right that's how you relate yeah exactly can't relate you you're considering yourself here yeah. and you're someone down here you can't relate yeah but if we go here then we can relate we're looking yeah. you know. it's you know i've seen um man you know i've i've seen like 
famous players and less known players alike make the mistake of, you know, shooting themselves in, in the foot by feeling some something along the way, like the process of their development in musicianship, some, somewhere along the way, something taught them or somebody taught them that you, you need for people to perceive you as, as being higher up than, than maybe even you really are. Right. Um, and um, like you, you said it perfectly, like to, to be relatable, yeah, you might have the respect from someone, but you're, you're never going to relate to them if you're not, you know, speaking to them on, on the level, you know, being a real person with them. And, right. and um, you know, not to, not to beat this into the ground, but um, I had the opportunity in my lifetime to meet, um, I mean, I'm just very fortunate because I got to meet most of my base idols and most of them were incredibly genuine and sincere and, and, you know, really kind, but there were, there were a handful that the experience was, was not good. You know, right, right. they were very, they were very dismissive and um, kind of, you know, the whole, you know, who is this person? I don't have time for this person type, type of thing. And uh, you know, you never know, you never know how, where someone is at, you know, if, if there's somebody that, that looks up to you or, or just whatever, it's just it's watching every move, you know, treating you as like an, an, uh, an informal mentor, you know, it may not be a relate, a mentor relationship that's, that's formalized, but they may be watching everything you do and learning from it. And if somebody's in a rough place, you know, and, and you don't know them and you're dismissive to them, you never, we were talking about this the other day. I mean, there might be a, a, a kid that really wants to be a musician, but they struggle with some confidence issues mm. and, and they, they're excited to meet you and they meet you. You're dismissive to them. That may be the moment that hurts them or gets them so self-conscious. They, they decide, Oh, I, I can't do music. I, I, I don't have do the confidence it. to do it anymore. And, right. and maybe that puts them on a totally different path, you know, whereas, you know, maybe if you were just welcoming, you know, and relatable, that gives them enough encouragement to work through their fears and insecurities to actually try it. And, and even if they don't get as far as they might, you know, think about getting mm -hmm. the path was at least enjoyable for maybe it's enjoyable for them to get some fulfillment out of it. Right. Um, so important, you know, it is very important, man. Very important, man. I hate to go off into another story, man, but... Um, Please do. And I, I don't know if you even remember this. Years and years ago, uh, you play with Dave Wackel Band in New York. Yeah, I do remember in the, that. In the village. Yeah. Um, I had the opportunity to come check that show out. Incredible show. Um, afterwards... Uh, and I didn't know this was going to happen until it happened. Uh, you guys were, you know, getting done, packing up and all that stuff. And I come up on stage, you know, saying, just talking to you, man, great show, blah, blah, blah. And out of the blue, you were like, man, we're going to go out, down to this blah, blah, blah. You know, you should come. I was like, yeah. <laughs> So here's me walking behind you guys, 
the primo musicians, man. And uh, we get to the, I forget the name of the place. It was just a little, little diner, whatever it was. Uh-huh. Uh, man, you, everyone sits down. Uh, I'm the last one coming through the door. Seat right next to Weffle. I get it. Um, and man, for some reason, out of the blue, and we hadn't talked. I introduced myself in sitting down, and he was like, you seem so nervous around me. I was like, because I am. <laughs> One of the <laughs> top drummers in the world, me being a drummer myself, I mean, yes, I'm nervous around you. He's like, well, you don't need to be. And that's it. And man, the entire night after that, and it's like two, three in the morning. The entire night after that, man, man, it was a great night, man. Um, I ended up having to leave because I had to take like two or three trains to get back where, or get back to my apartment. But man, from the get-go, man, he noticed that I was like, you know, being a little weird. And he's like, man, stop that. Yeah. You know, don't, no, don't do that. Wow. Wow. And, you know, just being a drummer, he is as well. It's like. <laughs> That's a cool story, you're just, man. You're drumming. Cool as hell. <laughs> <All right. laughs> That's awesome. But, um, so cool. You know, Thank you for inviting me to that show. Oh my gosh, are you kidding? Inviting me to the after party. Yeah, man, that's so that's so awesome. You were there. Those were some good. Those were some good days um, for many reasons. Man, man. <laughs> so, man, what are you what are you up to now? I mean, is are you? I, we talked before we started recording a little bit about mm-hmm. just how slow things are, obviously, but. Right. What's what's your outlet, man? While while the downtime's happening, what are you how are you, um, you spending your time? Well, again, we we talked about my little day gig or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it for now. But plan wise, man, You're still I'm a lot like, of practicing and stuff. Or? Man, that's I I guess that's my playing right now. Yeah, a lot it's of just, people are in like heavy dedicated practice mode right now it's right which a cool thing i I was about to say the same that's that's not a bad thing at all because most of the time excuse me um the players that are out there playing they're out there playing Mm -hmm. they're not you know worried about practicing for the most because they're continuously gigging uh for some that's their practice time you know whatever uh but now man um, I think the hardest part is just trying to gauge what you practice or mm. how you practice now. Yeah. Uh, uh, are you still going to be that uh, practice room person that you were, you know, three years or years ago? Or are you just sitting down and just blah, blah, blah? Yeah. You know, are you trying to work out stuff? So what kind of stuff are you working on right now? Man, my I, I 
And only because of this, uh, the past four or five years, my thing has been the uh, party band, wedding gigs, uh, private party deal. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, man, I just sit down and listen and play with a lot of uh, 70s, 80s uh, bands, funk mostly. Yeah. Um, boring, yes. But at the same time, man, um, just sitting there playing that groove for hours and hours or whatever groove it is for hours and hours. Um kind of fulfilling to me sure man um because years before that my practice was i need to learn this solo from this drummer i need mm -hmm. to write solo out i need to transcribe this solo so i can learn it instead of working on whatever yeah um and i will say it in certain ways it kind of hurt but bringing it around trying to just man grew with all these 70s 80s funk band stuff yeah yeah man. and i kind of grew up with it but never really listened to it and tried to grew with it like i am now yeah that's an endurance builder for sure. You know, oh man! Not everybody can can sit in a groove playing it, measure after measure, over and over again. I don't care if it's bass, guitar, drums. Man, that is a that's a discipline and a and a skill that um, it's harder than people think. Man, uh, you you have Sonny Emery on a couple of tracks. Yeah, man, sitting back or just trying to play with some of their live stuff mm -hmm. and playing 15, 20 minute tracks and just sitting there playing the same groove. It's like, man, son, I need some water. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't stop, but I'm, I'm going to stop for a minute. Oh man. But man, it, it's fun though. It's fun. Yeah. That's great. So, um, as we draw to a close here, is there, um, can people get in touch with you if they'd like you to to play on on some tracks? Um, is that something Man, they can do? I, I I do have uh, my website, uh, DwayneAHallway.com. Okay. Basic. Uh, and there's a link on there where you can uh, all my information is on there to contact. Okay, cool. That's DwayneAHallway.com. Uh, DwayneAHallway.com. Awesome. Cool. Uh, cool. But yeah, also, my number is on there as well. My okay. cell number. Feel free to call me. I'm not crazy. <laughs> I'm not Maybe you're the me. one. You might have to worry about the crazy people calling you now. So we'll we'll see. But uh, well, hopefully that'll be that'll be a change and uh, <laughs> maybe change them. <laughs> uh, so you can have a an even more exciting 2021. That's right. Um, that's so cool, man. Well, anything else but before we finish you want to share with anyone? Just man, in terms what of what I'd love to share, man, is thank you for man. I'm honored. Thank you for letting me play man, on this. Dude, man. honor um, is all mine, man. What, wow. a, what a pleasure to have you uh on the show and even more so on, on the record, man. I, I'm couldn't be more thrilled to, to have man. you on there. 
So uh, keep on doing what you're doing, man. Um, being the inspirational dude you are. And thank you so much for being on this. Adam Nitty, thank you, sir. Yeah, man. yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone, for, for checking this out. Tune in for the next episode and God bless.